Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. Capella University's game-changing FlexPath format helps you learn at your own pace and fit earning a degree into your life. From before you enroll to after you graduate, you'll be supported by people who are invested in your success so you can pursue your goals knowing that help is available if you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash skills. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network. Today on the James Altucher Show. Everyone has something that they are really good at. What if you don't really? like? Well, I'll challenge you on that. The idea of rich flips it on its head. Rich is not about sitting around and counting your money all day. Rich is about being able to travel if you want, being able to buy a car or not. It's being able to use your resources to live the kind of life you want. Okay, so I have to ask this question. The person listening to this doesn't want to hear as much the, yeah, it's possible to get rich because that's what everybody says. Yeah. But I want to hear specific tactics. Ramit, Ramit Sethi, I can't believe once again you're on the How many times have you been on this podcast? A lot, and I love it. This is so much fun. Like, we've known each other four or five years, and I remember the first time we met, uh, I don't even know why we met. Like, you wrote me an email, and we decided to meet, and the first time we met, we were talking for like an hour, and you gave me advice that kind of changed my life. Like, And that's happened every single time we've met since, but that the first advice was start to build your email list. Like, I was writing all these articles every day, and I didn't even think about who I was writing for and to build an email list and then start to get to know the people I was writing for and what they wanted. I mean, that really changed my life in a lot of ways. It helped me sell books. It helped me understand what people liked and what they didn't like. Um, So many other pieces of advice you've given me since then, but tell me who the hell you are. All right. (laughs) Thanks. Thanks for having me again. I'm Ramit Sethi. Sethi. I've been pronouncing it Sethi all wrong. It's like (laughs) say the letter T. That's the way to say it. Basically, I'm the CEO of a site. Some people may have heard of it called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Um, I Is that like too blatant a title? Yeah. Like, do people say, oh my God, are you one of those guys? Yes, completely. And it's, in retrospect, I'm not sure I would name the site that. Well, you're, just to be fair, and just disclosure, your book, which was a New York Times bestseller, was also called I Will Teach You to Be Rich. Yeah, and people may have seen that in bookstores. If If anyone has questions about personal finance... That's where the origin of this site was. I took my college scholarship money, the first check I got, invested it in the stock market, lost half the money, and I was like, oh, I don't really know what investing is. How'd you afford to go to college after that? I got more scholarships. I had to. I had a big family, a very middle class, and I built a system. I'm a big systems guy to allow me to apply to about 65 scholarships. And so I paid my way through Stanford undergrad and grad school through scholarships. And... 
I was kind of learning. Is that kind of like a humble brag there, like uh, Stanford? Just throwing Stanford out there? You know what? I'll tell you what. It's not a humble brag, but when people hear the name, I will teach you to be rich, they're like, come on, bro. You know, you're selling ebooks about selling ebooks to sell more ebooks. And in the world of um, online education, it's actually surprisingly important to talk about your pedigree or your results. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't really talk about college that much anymore, but uh, you come to the site. You're already, your guard is kind of up. So anyway, uh, went on, learned about investing, started to write a blog because young people don't really want to come to seminars about money. And I started writing this blog, like you and I would sit around and BS and be like, James, let's drink, let's grab a beer. Let's talk about money. And, you know, like we all have money stories in our life. We got the cheap friend who never tips. We got, uh, we look at the end of the month and we're like, oh man, I guess I spent that much. And I just started to sort of dive into there. And you and I both love the unconventional take on conventional advice. So like you and I have both talked about why buying a house is not the best investment. We both agree. People hate us when we tell them that. Well, because if you think about it, that's for many people, the largest check they'll ever write in their life is for, as a percentage of their net worth, is for that first or second or third house that they eventually have. And so if you tell them you just made a mistake, they have this huge... So I don't know the name of this kind of bias. Yeah, there's some kind of dissonance that happens in their brain. Like, oh, my brain couldn't have been that wrong. Yeah. And yet, no one in their right mind would make, like, let's say it's a stock. No one would leverage up, you know, 500% and put all of their money into one stock. And yet they put it into real estate all the time. And real estate goes up and down just like anything else. Totally. But you know what people say? They and say- not only that, there's a negative uh, dividend to it. Like, you're, there's maintenance costs every year. And then they say, oh, but there's tax advantages. But forget the property taxes go up randomly higher every every year. Hold on. If we do this, we're going to spend three right, hours yeah, talking forget, about real estate. Forget housing. Basically, read <laughs> what James and I said about real estate. And then you're going to hate us. So you'll never hear from us again. All right. Oh, then we did that video about people who hate us. You, we would read uh, the criticism. So, yeah. All right. So, so this this took a turn that I did not expect, but I love it. You and I both have all these people who send us hate mail all the time, which we both love. Right. So if you guys go online and search for hate mail, altature, satie, we sat down and actually read these things out loud. I got to do that again with you because yeah. I keep getting more and more and I just love it. I'm like... You know, the Does rule- it ever bother, like, is there any, you know, out of thousands of hate mails that, that you must get, someone must randomly, just by luck, hit a button that bothers you? Yeah. Like, what, what bothers you? Oh, God. So, I would say that one out of a hundred pieces of hate mail are have any validity whatsoever. <laughs> and what, what's valid? What's a valid hate mail? And then, by the way, we're going to get into actual tactics and stories how people couldn't use your stuff. But, but tell me what's valid. Why should people hate you? <laughs> uh, oh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that anyone who's created a body of work can have holes pointed out. So, for example, um, you know, I talk a lot about entrepreneurship. Should why am I talking so much about entrepreneurship? Should should everyone be an entrepreneur? No, definitely not. In fact, most people should not be entrepreneurs. I think that's a whole. I, I think, think that's a critical point. Actually, many people think. Oh, I'm either going to have a job or I'm going to be an entrepreneur. That's not true at all, actually. Like you could, like having streams of income doesn't necessarily mean you're an entrepreneur. You're creating the next Uber. There's a big difference between creating a company with 50 employees and scalable and all this, and actually just being on your own and free and making revenues from different sources yeah. of income. So, I mean, a lemonade. Think about a kid. Uh, a kid who has a lemonade stand has one stream of income. 
Right. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're an entrepreneur. It just means they have a lemonade stand. Right. He doesn't necessarily have the traditional boss. Like he's not going to work in a cubicle. Yeah. But it's a different. But it's a different lifestyle than an entrepreneur too. But, uh, yes. And also, I think now in this world of entrepreneurship, a lot of people think I'm a failure if I just have a nine to five job. Personally, I don't think that's true. I think a lot of people like the security of a job. There's a lot of benefits to getting. Um, ha- having a job. Now, I think you should diversify risk a bit. I think having one source of income is risky. But I don't think people should look at themselves and say, I'm a failure if I have a job. On the other hand, I don't think that most people should just go to work, cash a check, and that's it. If you want to have a job... Because that's risky. It's very you risky. You get fired. Yeah, definitely. And the, Or I income go down, or you get outsourced, whatever. Definitely. And when you get laid off, the cruel irony is that that tends to be during a recession when everyone else is getting laid off. So how do you mitigate that risk? One, you get really good at your job. Two, you save and invest your money. Three, you might create multiple streams of income, all to mitigate risk and even grow more. So I hear, I so so again though, like you have a company that is getting is doing well because it's teaching people how to, you know, it's 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 the company that started to teach people how to be rich, uh, and that's how you're getting. Rich. Uh, so, so that's probably so that's the, the elephant in the room. Yeah, that's I want probably to the criticism it. that drives me the most nuts. Uh-huh. So first of all, I started this site when I was a college student. All right. And I was, my point for everyone was a rich life is you decide what a rich life is. Money is an important part, but it's a small part of it. And there's so many other parts to a rich life. It could be your relationships, which we've talked about. It could be your career and salary negotiation and finding a dream job, which we've talked about. It could be starting a business. It could be the way you look, weight lifting. It could be your clothes, so many things. I think when people hear the term, I will teach you to be rich or rich life, the first thing they jump to is some guy wearing a garish suit and just throwing money up in the air and just you know salivating. I, that's not a rich life to me. Because it's so funny, you see like Hollywood movies, like you know a, a, a Gatsby kind of movie or a Wolf of Wall Street kind of movie, and you have all these millionaire movie writers directing these millionaire movie actors, making fun of being a millionaire and kind of trashing <laughs> the concept of being a millionaire, like it's only about greed right. or it's only about money. But so, so what? Do, and and I had this question asked me the other day. What does a rich life mean? Because money, money is—I don't know if it's a small or a big part. You do need some money to have some amount of freedom. You have to—you have to buy your freedom a little bit in, in the United States, at least. Okay. A, first of all, a rich life is what you decide it is. For me, at this point in my life, a rich life is not owning property. Right. I don't need to. Could I? Yes. I don't need to. I like the flexibility of being able to have an apartment in New York and one in San Francisco. That's a rich life for me. It's being able to create my schedule. So if I want to work out at 3 p.m. in the afternoon, I can do that. Um, A rich life is being able to throw money at certain problems and have them just kind of go away. So whether that means like hiring a personal chef or whether it means, um, you know, not caring about spending money on certain things. Like I really don't care about what soap I use. Do you have a personal chef? Yeah. Really? What do they do? When do they come? How often do they come over your house? So I built, I told you I'm a systems guy. So I think there's this old phrase, uh, show me a man's calendar and I will show you his priorities. And I'll add a little bit to that. I say, show me a man's calendar and show me his spending and I will show you his priorities. So I took a look at myself and I said, one of my priorities is to look great and feel great. 
like I want my physical side to be as good as financial and spiritual and relationship and all that. So what was I doing? Nothing. I was ordering takeout from Seamless every day. I was super good at ordering with, you know, on Seamless. Um, I would feel sort of tired at lunch, all this stuff. So I started cooking a little bit, just a very little bit. And then I realized I have this company, I'm managing all these people. I just want the problem to be solved. And so I, what I did was I built this system where I have a trainer, a chef, and a nutritionist. Now, this is probably my biggest extravagance. Um, and I just So essentially, instead of owning a home or other big expenses, like, do you own a car? No. So instead of owning these things, <laughs> you if people don't realize, you can substitute spending $40,000 on a car to actually having three years of personal chef. For sure. And, and again, to me, that was a rich life. I was able to afford it and... I want, if you look at my calendar and my spending, you can see exactly what it is. Health is a huge priority. Um, work is a huge priority. Relationships are a huge priority. Travel's not that big to me right now. So it's not that, it's not really Which showing. again, you could say for, for some people, depending on their vacations, 10,000 a year or more. Bingo. You know, give or take. Yeah, and you know, take, take that for example. Some people are like, I love to travel and they want to like backpack around Europe. They don't really care about the f- like staying at a nice hotel. They want to see the sights and like have an experience with their friends. That's awesome. That's a rich life. Other people like I want to stay at the Ritz-Carlton and the Four Seasons. That's a rich life to me. Perfect. M- my point is so many experts are telling you all the things you can't do. Don't spend money on lattes. Don't go on vacation because the economy is crumbling. And I'm like I don't want to be the lowest common denominator. I actually think if you say, yes, what can I do with money? If you want a chef and you can afford it, get one. If you want to learn, if you want to buy a really nice spatula, do it. it the, the idea of rich flips it on its head. Rich is not about sitting around and counting your money all day. Rich is about being able to travel if you want. It's being able to buy a car or not. It's being able to use your resources to live the kind of life you want. So what does your chef uh, cook for you? Is oh, like man. Health, so, health food? Yeah, it's like you would not like it. It has basically, it's like a bodybuilder diet. So it's I like, might like it. I just joined Equinox. You did? So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to start. I'm gonna start. By the way, I count my $2 bills oh all my day God. long. James just pulled out a stack, literally a stack of $2 bills, and he flipped it like, wow, hey, James. You look like you have stacks. very experience with that. <laughs> uh I mean, the food I eat is like a bodybuilder diet. It's basically like brown rice, broccoli, and chicken times seven meals a day. <laughs> seven? Yeah. So you're like kind of small meals, lots yeah. of them per day. How many yeah. calories per day do you think is okay to, to eat? Uh, f- well, for me right now, I'm bulking, which means I'm ga- intentionally gaining weight. I'm gaining mass. So it's about 3,500 plus calories. Okay. So I have to ask this question, and we're going to get into the whole... I want to get to some of the stories on your site because if you go to growthlab.com, which is your recent website you've set up, there's all these stories after stories of people you've helped in different ways to to make money. And I think the person listening to this doesn't want to hear as much the, yeah, it's possible to get rich because that's what everybody says. But I want to hear specific tactics. But I need to know this first because I ask this to everyone and everyone has a different answer. Are fruits healthy or not <laughs> because everyone i'll ask some people like paleo people say oh there's sugar and then but then i ask um you know ask other people and they're like only eat fruit until noon because it's the easiest thing to oh, digest god so what's the story with fruit okay. and sugar okay and then we'll talk about rich okay what, what a great question let's spend the rest of the time talking about fruit listen this is a classic example where everyone has an opinion and most of them are irrelevant 
So it's so funny. People will say, only eat it between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. intermittent fasting, da 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 What should you really be focusing on in life? You should be focusing on the five to 10 big wins. And for most people, the big wins are, you know, start investing automatically, um, get a good job or start a business, have your relationships under control. And maybe once you get to a very elite level, then you can start worrying about the minor details. For most people listening, you probably need to eat less and you need to exercise more. You do those two things and you're going to be 90% of the way there. Now, you know, it's you, so true because like I could tell you, and unfortunately this only happened during bad times of my life, but when, when something's going, when I'm depressed about something, I'll just stop eating. Like, and that's not necessarily healthy, but what happens is it's like my body's reaction to the stresses in life, it avoids the stress of digestion almost automatically. So I start eating less, I lose a little bit of weight, and I feel better every time I go through one of those periods. It helps me to bounce back. Like eating less, people, it's so much more important, I think, than exercise even. Because exercise, you'll, burn, you'll increase your metabolism, you'll burn off a couple hundred calories. Eating less, you'll stop eating those several hundred calories. Definitely. You and can, you won't snack on junk food. Yeah, you can, I mean, it's very easy. Like, uh, give me someone's budget and I'll instantly show you like 30 to 50% quote wastage. Give me someone's eating for two days and I can instantly show you why they weigh that much. It is not magic. It's not your, it's not your metabolism. It's definitely not your thyroid. It is what you're putting in your body. Now to your question, is fruit good or bad? You know what? If you want the technical correct answer, you can talk to these paleo guys and intermittent fasting. For the vast, like 99.5% of people, um, if you're eating right 90% of the time, you want to eat the fruit, eat the fruit. Part of like actually succeeding at these things is making it sustainable. If you love an apple and I'm like, James, you can never eat an apple again, then it doesn't matter if I'm technically correct. You're going to eat the apple and screw up the whole thing. So I'd rather set you up in a system where you're going to succeed 90, 95% of the time and then eat the apple. It's not poison. Eat a burger if you want. It doesn't matter. But it sounds like, though, you're mostly about protein. The chicken, broccoli, your protein, iron. Yeah. So yeah, brown I, rice. What's brown rice? Some some. It's like it's the best carbs you yeah. can have. Yeah, it's pretty healthy. Again, I don't think most people would eat like I eat, and there are people who are much more elite at their eating. Bodybuilders have the most sort of structured eating of all, and the way that they carve their body and craft it is pretty magical. It's pretty amazing. Here's the interesting part. As an Indian guy, I used to I used to be 127 pounds. I was basically 50 plus pounds lighter than I am now. And I would say to myself, I'm just a skinny Indian guy. I can't gain weight like those white guys. That's what I told myself for like 25 like me, years. Friend. Like you, big rip, James. <laughs> yeah. And and what I came to realize was that whether it's money or food or your style or even what you crave, you can change those things. I just didn't know how to do it. I didn't have the training. And I just thought like, oh, it's my metabolism, duh. But as I've sort of gone down this path and I've helped a lot of people change their money, their careers, their entrepreneurship, whatever you start to realize, man, most things in life are very, very under your control. Even like, even working out though, I have to say, it's like brutal, it's painful. Like to, yeah. to take on the habit and the discipline of like working out, lifting weights, working on the different parts of your body, you have to change like almost every habit in your life. So why, let me ask you this, what is your goal? Why are you doing it? For me, health. Really? Yeah, I just, I don't care how I look, obviously. That's so. opposite of me. So I walked in when I got a trainer and they were like, what's your goal, health or aesthetics? I'm like, I don't care about health. I want to look great. Mm -hmm. So opposite. Yeah. All right, that's cool. And how's the training going? Well, I just, I only just joined the gym, so I just started. 
Cool. So, so we'll see. Awesome. I don't know. Yeah, I just want to be in general. Like I'm, I'm 48 years old. I need to start focusing on. I mean, I should have started focusing on it 30 years ago. In general, I'm pretty healthy, but kind of wimpy healthy. I want to be healthier. Awesome. But okay, I want to, I want to switch gears. There's story after story after story of people who have taken your courses and made money. I not just made money. I mean, changed their lives. Yes, of course they made money. That's like the least interesting part. A guy gets a fifty thousand dollar raise. That happens every day using my stuff. Okay, well, let's talk about the money part. But what happens when you make fifty thousand dollars in one month? Man, you can do a lot of stuff. So tell me a story of someone who's made fifty thousand dollars in one month, and let, let's get started there, and we'll get into some specific tactics because I really want to know. I All really right. want people listening to this to know. So. If you go to growthlab.com, right there, there's like a ton of stories. And I'll just give you one. We could pick anyone. One of my favorite students is this guy named James. And you can see his picture. Not (laughs) you. Um, But you've made much more than $50,000. In a month. Right? From the stuff that, that I taught you. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So James is an organic chemistry instructor. It's pretty much the driest thing you can imagine. This is like a skill. Some of us are really good at Excel or organizing our apartment or organic chemistry. You're like, who gives a shit? Well, he came to us and he started learning how to turn that into finding some consulting clients. Who do you think might pay for his expertise on organic chemistry? I don't know, a pharmaceutical company? Maybe. Or like DuPont, like a plastics and rubber company? Definitely. If he wanted to do a full-time job, he could certainly get a job there. In this case, it was students who are taking organic chemistry and want a little tutoring. Ah. Okay, pretty simple. So he found these people, they're in college campuses, etc. And he would help them, he would tutor them. And he would charge some decent amount, probably like 50 bucks an hour. Cool. Well, after a while, we taught him how to do that. And we taught him how to find those clients. And how do you find those clients? So simple, very simple stuff. Um, first, of, the biggest part of it is understanding your customer. And most people, what they start at is, let me create an ad and like, do all this fancy art, irrelevant. Um, what you want to do is understand who's your market. We had a violin instructor, for example, and what she came to learn was that her market who wanted to learn violin was actually parents of kids, particularly Asian parents who wanted the best for their little son, Timmy. Timmy can play violin and now Timmy got into Harvard. Awesome. So in this case, James found out who his market was through a lot of research and then he basically went on Craigslist. There's a lot of places you can go, websites. You say, hey, I'm, a, I'm an instructor. Um, here's what I've done. I've helped these people accomplish this. Let me know if you're interested. Simple. By the way, something you said there. Here's what I've done. Here's who I've helped. Yeah. And here's what they've accomplished. That's called social proof. It's good to have in any kind of ad. As exactly. opposed to a colorful ad to have testimonials is, is as 50% of the results of your ad. Testimonials are huge. And remember, when you hear the word testimonials, my first reaction is like, oh, that's kind of sleazy. Testimonials, all they are is showing that what you've done works. And that's why if you go to Growth Lab, we have all these stories and they're really detailed, video, all this stuff. Because it's one thing for someone to sit around and say, oh, like use my system and make a billion dollars. I want to see people who look like me and they were in the same situation I was who were able to lose weight or earn more or find a better job. And if you can show me that proof, like on any commercial about P90X or anything, then maybe I'll click and maybe I'll give it a shot. So back to James, he's able to get a bunch of clients. At a certain point, he's like, this is cool. I have a lot of clients and I can't take any more on. 
And so what did he do? He came to us again and we taught him how to turn it into an online business. Now, this is pretty cool. This is where you can basically, that old phrase, stop trading money for time. You can basically set up an online business that runs while you sleep. So you can take all the information in your head, put it online, structure it so that people, while you're asleep, people can be going to your site, buying your product and getting it fulfilled automatically. He was able to do exactly this. He built an organic chemistry site, which is amazing. Super simple. It looks very, very simple. How long did it take him to build the site? Uh, I'm not sure. It wasn't very long. It's a simple site if you go look at it. And in fact, in, in the video on the site, growthlab.com slash success stories slash James, there's a part where it's my favorite part. His wife didn't really like me at all. She was like, who's this Indian dude? I, I, why are you spending this much money? And basically, as he became more successful and he wanted to join the next course, he went and he showed her how much revenue he had generated. And his wife was like, all right. And for me, that's the best moment where you turn a skeptic into someone who actually sees proof. So this guy basically was able to do so well. He was able to help so many people. So, uh, so he built the site. And yeah. then how, did he, how did he get people to the site? Awesome question. So how do you get people to any site? don't do what most people do, which is they start doing a bunch of random tactics. Let's get on Twitter. Let's get on Quora. Let's get a Facebook page, blah, blah, blah. We call that marketing tactical hell. And that's doing a little bit of everything. You might as well just shut it down right now. Mm. What we like to do, it's really simple. It's a big win. Is go find other sites that have similar audiences as the one you want and go write posts that would drive people back to your site. So a classic example is for him, he would go to a site that is about students or specifically organic chemistry. It could be a forum, preferably a blog. And he would say, hey, I'm really good at this. Let me write a post on five ways to um, ace your next organic chemistry test. Or here's a new way to look at mastering organic chemistry. So he writes something that is super valuable. In and of itself, it should be super valuable. And at the bottom, it says, James teaches organic chemistry students how to ace their tests at blank, blank, blank com. Goes there. The people who read it to the end, they want to know more. They click through. That's how you start to build your list. Hmm. And that's how, he, that's how he did it. He was able to end up generating so much revenue that he could stay home when his child was born. He has a flexible lifestyle now. He's awesome. Did he quit his job as a teacher? Yeah, he does, he does this. This is what he does now. And he generates substantial revenue. His traffic has grown. He's, he's awesome. Hmm. So he's just one story. Like everyone has something that they're really good at. What if you don't really? Like- well, I'll challenge you on that. So think about the things that you pay for. Um, you go out to eat. You're paying someone to cook your food. You go to get your oil changed. You're paying someone to do that. You could theoretically do it yourself in 15 minutes but you're paying someone to do it. Maybe you pay someone to mow your lawn or clean your apartment. You could do that yourself. I cannot clean my apartment by myself, (laughs) but, but point taken. Let's stop to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. If anything, they have made my life so much better. Like I used to live in Airbnbs. I I lived in over a hundred or 200 different Airbnbs over a three-year period. And I loved it. I love, I became a really good guest of Airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I 
initially owned a house, I, of course, the first thing I thought was, I'm going to turn my house into an Airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests? And having my own Airbnb or, or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community. And I love, you know, turning my own home into an Airbnb. Like I'm traveling to Austin next month. My home's going to be an Airbnb while I'm away. And I'll stay in an Airbnb. I'd rather stay in like a three story house Airbnb than in one tiny hotel room in, in the middle of Austin during South by Southwest. So listen. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Many people host on Airbnb, but there are people who are just letting their house sit empty who've never thought about it or didn't realize their space could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle and is a great way to earn some extra money. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, then you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Daylight savings time is starting up again. Okay, podcast is over. That's all you needed to know. But why do we have uh, daylight savings time? Answer, to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting your clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day that initial when we initially start daylight savings. But if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. This is such a brilliant idea for a business, and ZipRecruiter did it. So ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. I've used ZipRecruiter particularly as a potential employee, and I still, to this day, get messages every day. James Aldacher, would you like to apply to be VP of Entertainment at NBC or whatever? So there's just nonstop emails. Like I got five or six emails today because of because a year ago I signed up for ZipRecruiter. So spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is, as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or the pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time if you use HIMS. HIMS, H-I-M-S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. 
The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? Yes, I'm definitely going to use him from now Not on. Not that you need it. You're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You, you're getting there. You might, you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that there's a whole section just with my name on it? Hymns.com slash James. That's how I how much I am representative of the kind of person who needs hymns. That's HIMS.com slash James for your personalized treatment options. Hymns.com slash James. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hymns.com slash James for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscription plan. If you don't think you're good at something, then I'll give you a couple of ways to think about it. So number one, ask yourself, what do I already pay for? That's going to spur some ideas. Number two, what skills do you have? Are you good at cooking? Do you speak Spanish? Do you even speak English? Okay, if you're listening to this, there's probably someone out there who would pay you to learn English. Okay, that's another one. Um, You can ask your friends. James, if you called your friends and you said, hey, I'm doing this weird thing, can you tell me three things you think I'm good at? What do you think they would say? Uh, I think they would say I'm pretty good at putting myself down. <laughs> uh, we call I, that self-deprecation. Right. I love it. I'm probably probably pretty good at podcasting at this point. Okay, uh, and writing and and look, I've built businesses. So I oh a little thing called building multi-million-dollar businesses. Yeah, oh, yeah, so I've done that quite a bit, and I've interviewed a lot of interesting people on this podcast. So I understand. I have a bit more understanding of what it takes to be a peak performer at many different activities than I did, let's say, several years ago. Okay, so Plus, I'm a peak performer at like things like chess or whatever. Okay, you just so named I off, know. You just <laughs> named off like six businesses right there. Let me just break this down for everyone yeah. listening. So you could create a business or a product around how to podcast. You could do one on how to get guests for your podcast. Those are two different businesses. Right. You could do one on how to ha- how to have a great conversation. Okay, that's the third one. I probably wouldn't get in that market because it's a horrible market, but okay. Um, you could do one on uh, peak performance or energy through the day. I mean, there's so many things you could do right there. Right. And then the, the other one you can ask yourself is, when everyone else is sleeping on Saturday morning, what am I reading? Like, are you reading fashion blogs? My guess is you're probably pretty good at fashion. People who can put together an outfit. You might just think like, oh, that, that just comes to me naturally. But there are a lot of people who would pay for someone to just solve that problem in their life. Hmm. So so you're saying for for everybody, even if they don't have something that immediately comes to mind, this has been my passion for 30 years, you can start to explore. You can t- almost like you could self-track what you're doing throughout the week and see what you're doing that's a little bit different than everyone else or what you're thinking about that's a little different than everyone else and probably that's something you can either expand on or learn. You don't have to have all the knowledge today too. You can research and learn to build your course. Totally. For instance... I don't have to be that organic chemistry teacher. I might know three organic chemistry teachers and then build a site based on their knowledge and split the revenues with them. For yeah, instance. there's plenty of ways to do it. I love what you said about you don't have to kind of wait. Like 
I think a lot of people wait for the passion to fall down from the heavens. Oh, I'm 50 years old. Where's my passion? Your passion doesn't fall down. You find your passion. You seek it. And most importantly, I believe you get passionate about something when you get good at it. So like when I look, when I started out writing about personal finance, I was learning it myself. And I told people that. Now, I got pretty good at personal finance, and then I became more passionate about it because I could watch people change. They started to invest, they saved money, blah, blah, blah. Don't think that you're just waiting for lightning to strike and give you some passionate idea. In fact, James, I could give you five ideas today. Here, create a business around personal finance. Here, create one around finding a job. What are you going to do? Do you know what to do next? That, that's the point. Just giving you an idea is not enough. You have to take it to the next level. Okay, so 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 for instance, on one of the stories on the site, I saw, I forget her name, um, some woman who had a normal sales job in a cubicle, whatever. She started focusing on copywriting, which is basically how to write good sales copy. And then she offered her services to other businesses, and suddenly she built up a whole revenue stream slash business for herself. Yep. How does someone like that, A, we can talk about what copywriting is in a second, but how does someone you build a skill that you know you can offer to other people? How do you how do you get other small businesses to hire you for something like that? Same thing. How did she do it? So same same thing here. What we show people how to do is go to sites where those customers are reading and show people how awesome you are. This so, is exactly so it's, it's really important and I and I, and I want to just interrupt. I always interrupt so I'm sorry about that. That's okay. But I I I think this is you. You taught me. I was. Uh, I did this for like five years for free. Like you give your most valuable stuff away for free all the time. I was writing completely everything I've learned in like twenty years of business. I was just distilling and throwing out there all over the place uh, without any thought of monetization. But I think the key is give away as much as you can for yes. free. Like so, so people, so you rise above the top. Yes. It's not just like, oh, here's one thing. Find out the nine other things by paying no. me a okay. billion dollars. Exactly. I hate that. In fact, our philosophy is we give away 98% of our material free. And my goal is that our free material is better than anyone else's paid stuff. And if you don't That's believe- That's key. Yeah, it's key. Because you have like a split second in this world of infinite number of blogs and websites- you have to show people why you are actually better. So if you're listening and you're like, well, maybe I'm not actually better, that's where the practice comes in. And I'll show you an example of something remarkable we wrote. I wrote a post on our friend Tim Ferriss' site. We talked about... Okay, okay, how did you get on to write something on his site? Because that's a very popular site, obviously, that was a huge win for you. Okay, the way that I got... So I know Tim. So I, Tim's been on this podcast. Yeah. He's a friend of the podcast. Tim's my friend, and I went to him, and I said, hey, I'd like to write this post. Your audience is going to love it. Here's what I'm going to do. And I gave him an outline of the post. And I told him, this is where I'm going to put the data in. I'm going to show you charts. I'm going to give you numbers. I'm going to give you specific examples of where I messed it up. And two things worked there. One, I, had, I have a relationship with Tim. He's my friend. Two, he knew that I was going to write something that would be really, really good. He's not going to have to be like, oh, this sucks. Let me edit it for 10 hours. If you don't have a relationship with Tim Ferriss or James Altucher or whoever, the first thing you can do is start off. Don't target a Tim Ferriss. Start off by targeting someone who's a little closer to home, someone who you either know or who's a little bit more approachable. Or you can put it on LinkedIn, you know, yeah. in many cases, or Medium. There's, there's, go where the people are. Go where the people saying. are. B- write something that is so good that people can't ignore it, and add that to your portfolio. Now you can go up to the next level. So let's say you start with, let's call it a C-level 
person. You write something, it's good, you get a few responses. Now you go up to a B-level person. You say, hey, I just wrote this over here. Take a look, people seem to love it. I'd love to write something for you. If they say no, fine, that's okay. Come back in a couple months, show them some other stuff you've written. Just keep the relationship warm, it's fine. There's a lot of people you can write for. You keep writing, keep building it up. Eventually, you're gonna have an awesome portfolio. Now, months or even longer, you can go to an A-level writer and you can say, look, I write about this. You can take a look at my stuff. It speaks for itself. I'd love to write for you. And by the way, I'm going to make it perfect. I'm going to include these graphics. I'm going to send it to you fully ready to drop into WordPress. You won't have to do a thing. That's really compelling. So I did that. If you Google Tim Ferriss, Ramit Sethi, $5 million week, you'll see exactly how we had a $5 million week and exactly the marketing funnel, everything we did. That's giving away your best stuff for free. Right. So people read that and they're like, oh my God. Now, James, if you're going to teach people how to play chess, you're going to show them your best moves. You're going to analyze the board. You're going to show them that stuff. And people are going to be like, this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm going to sign up for his newsletter. And that's the magic. That's why I told you to set up your newsletter. Now you have a relationship with the reader and you have an asset. This is co- the, You come to our site, you cannot buy a thing from us. That's because we don't want your money. We want you to sign up so we can have a relationship with you. So, okay, so tell, tell more stories. Tell me more people who have... Uh, so, okay, wait, c- continue to tell me about this woman with the copywriting. So did she write on some sites like five ways to use copy to make more money or what did she do? Yeah, I mean, there's so many... Yes, she wrote guest posts and uh, there's a... You can do the five ways. That's certainly a blog post you can do. You can write things like, um, like here's a before and after email funnel. And we'll show you the actual numbers. That's really compelling. So she wrote guest posts. At the bottom of the guest post, she said, hey, if you're interested in learning more about copywriting, come to my site. And you go to her site. You get, you know, sign up to get this free guide. People sign up. And then you basically, sh- you basically continue giving them value until one day you have a product and you sell the product. Now, the cool part about this is you can set it all up automatically. So we've set this up. Other people have set this up. If you go to a site, these emails continue to come out automatically. Emails that I wrote years ago continue to generate revenue, help people start their businesses, negotiate their salary, all kinds of stuff. So so let's move on to another story. The woman who's a physical trainer, um, she she built up and now she has more, not necessarily clients, she built up, a, and again, an online training program, right? Yep. We have a, we have a whole bunch of people in the health space. We have a whole bunch of people in all different, like 50 plus industries. So we have one of our um, students, her name is Erin, and she was, she actually had, uh, like she was a trainer, but she didn't know how to take it online. She wasn't doing too well on that. And we showed her how to take her training and get really specific with people as to what they get. For example, maybe I'm going to get a trainer that's going to help me lose weight. Maybe I'm going to get a training program that's going to help me bulk up. Maybe, you know, there's a whole anti-aging, there's a million things. You got to get specific with what you're offering. And we showed her how to do that. And then we showed her how much to charge. I want to talk about pricing. A lot of people think they need to discount everything. Oh, 50% off, 90% off. I don't believe in that. We don't discount. We don't, we don't need to. Um, we showed her how to create value and then charge for it and be unapologetic about it. So like, let's say I'm going to come and learn chess from you. Let's pretend I'm some random guy and you're a chess sure. tutor. How much are you going to charge me? Gosh, I don't know. Uh, I would discount. Probably. No, no discounting. <laughs> um, I don't know. Hundred bucks an hour. Okay, 
Really? Yeah. I feel like you should charge more, but okay. And I'm learning from... So who, not that many people want to learn chess anyway, so that's but, why the market might not be there. Well, think about what you just said. Not that many people want to learn chess, fine. But if I came to you, that means that I probably really want to learn chess from you, right? You know, it's interesting. That, that could be an idea because then we'll talk uh, business while we're playing chess. Maybe there's other things people could get while they're <laughs> playing chess with me. So, okay, let's just say 250 an hour. There Maybe we go. My prices. Okay, great. We just <laughs> You more than For doubled you your prices. 250 an hour. So I come to you and I'm like, uh, that's a little steep. Um, I was thinking more like 60 an hour. What are you going to say? You know, you know. Let me give you a better example. Public speaking. Okay, perfect. Pe- people come to me and they want me to speak. I'll speak either for free or for full price. Okay. Are you going to tell people what your full price is? I do, because uh, I want to anchor it. Okay. Um, but people will come and ask, "Can you speak for, let's say, five thousand dollars?" And I just won't do it because I actually don't enjoy pub- public speaking that much, unless it's like for a friend's conference or you know, I'm traveling someplace interesting. I'm just gonna. I'm trying. I'm gonna try to price people out yeah. of what I think they could pay. So, how do you say it when you say no? Do you say like, Ugh, "I'm James Altucher. I don't get out of bed for less than twenty thousand dollars." I don't say that. I just say I don't. Uh, I don't speak at all. <laughs> I'm, I'm Meanwhile, not they see you on a stage the next day. Right. Well, I say I. I do. It's true though. I speak at friends' conferences. Like if someone asks me nicely, I'll. I'll speak. But otherwise, if I have to like travel somewhere and speak for people I don't know, I usually say forty thousand just to price them out of the range. No, no one has said. Maybe one person has said yes to this, and otherwise, people say no. Love it. Okay, yeah. so you don't even really want to do it, so you put your anchor way up high. Right. So that's awesome. Um, what we find with our students a lot of the time is they some of them start doing coaching or tutoring, which is the equivalent of speaking upfront, and they do it and they like it, and then one day they have too many clients, or they just don't enjoy it as much. So what do they do? They want to create something online so that they can take what they know, package it up, automate it. And some of them still want to coach or they still want to speak. So they do exactly what you did. They raise the price to a crazy amount because they're like, look, I don't really even need to do this. But if I do it once or twice a year, that's fine. Meanwhile, the bulk of their business now shifts to the automated business. So imagine if you created a course on public speaking, which would, by the way, be a hit, okay? And let's say you charged, let's just say 100 bucks or 500 bucks. So that doesn't really compare to 40 grand, but let's say you got three people to buy it a day or four people, and we can go through the conversion math. That adds up very, very quickly. And that's exactly what happens. So we have like tens of thousands of people, happy customers who have taken our material, um, they've used it, and that tends that turns out to be a substantial business for a lot of people. If you have a hundred dollar product and you're getting couple two three sales a week, that turns into a pretty big revenue pretty quick. What are some of the What are some products you've seen that you thought, oh my god, there's no way this is going to work, and yet and then it just completely blew it away. Like it it did so well, you were surprised. I'll tell you that, and I'll tell you ones that I thought were going to be awesome, and they totally tanked. Okay, so. Um, there's a, I'll tell you about the tanking first. These are the most horrific stories of all. The, the worst feeling in the world for an entrepreneur is to spend all this time building something you think the world needs and then you launch it and there's crickets. And it turns out nobody cares. Nobody wants to pull out their wallet. And all the people who said, yeah, that sounds pretty cool, they didn't really mean it. They were just saying it to make you feel good. This happened to me. I'll, I'll tell you two examples that happened to me. It was 
pretty sad. Um, the first one was when I was in my t- uh, early 20s, I had to find health insurance and it was a nightmare. Like, how do you find health insurance? I don't even know who to call. And I figured if it was this hard for me, it's got to be hard for other people. So I started asking a few people, hey, like, is health insurance frustrating? Blah, blah, blah. And they're all like, yeah, this sucks. Oh my God, I would do anything to just figure this out. And I was like, oh my God, I got to create something. So we spent probably fifty dollars to $100,000 building a health insurance course. You're kidding, like how to buy health insurance? Like how to find health insurance. That's not... I could have told you that was a bad product, but, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I wish I had met you back then because we were certain... All these people had told us, yeah, like, oh my God, I would do anything, please. So we built it and then we went back and we said, hey, we'd love to beta test this. And we decided to charge like $50 for a beta program. Suddenly, nobody wanted to pull out their credit card. Everyone was too busy. They're like, oh yeah, maybe next year I'll look at that. Uh, It's okay right now. And what we discovered was there are certain things in life that people complain about, but they don't really want to solve it. It's like when people say, "Uh," like you ask them in the morning, how you doing? Oh, I'm tired. It's like, dude, you know what to do to not be tired. Sleep better. Stop drinking coffee at 8 p.m. Put your computer away and go to sleep. You know that. It's not a surprise. And yet people want to complain about it. They don't want to solve the problem. So that was a huge disaster. We took that product. We locked it away in our vault. We will never share it with the public. Uh, The second one was a product we created called Scrooge Strategy. We created this product to help people save money. And it was very inexpensive. It was like $8 a month. Um, And each week you would get a savings tip, which would, you could save like a lot of money. Good product, horrible market. Turns out people who want to save money don't, don't want to spend, spend money. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> so we, we sort of, that's another product that was not a success for us. That's why we spend a lot of time on research. And now when we create a product and we take it to market, we pretty much, as much as possible, virtually guarantee that it will be successful because we do all the research up front. And so somebody, I'm curious if you use this technique that someone once described to me, basically advertise come up with like eight courses you want to do and advertise all of them, see which ad gets the most clicks and that's the course you make. So you get kind of customers before you start making the course. I I think that's interesting but incomplete. I mean, I could ask people, hey, do you want me to create something on public speaking or losing weight or negotiating your salary? A bunch of people will click stuff, but when people click, they have no investment. They're just clicking. Everybody wants everything. Give me everything. What you have to do is get deeper and you have to understand which one is more painful. For example, if I asked you, James, which do you think is likely to be a better product? Um, Starting a business or saving money? Which one would you say? Starting a business. Great. Starting a business or finding a dream job? I don't know. I still think starting a business. Okay. Um, Starting a business or losing 20 pounds? Starting a business. Whoa. So what's better than starting a business? Probably nothing. Well, and probably in, investing and in sitting at home. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, starting, about starting related, a business is a good product. What about sex? Uh, or dating? You know, I know people pay a lot. Like there's a saying, get paid, get laid, lose weight. So those are the three, okay. uh, you know, whatever you call them, the three triggers for people buying newsletters or, or courses. But I still think get paid is, is first. Okay, interesting. Um, so so there's a lot, I may have overshot it with the, business example, but there's a million examples where you can say, everybody says like, I want to be more productive, but would you actually pay for a serious course on that? 
Maybe, maybe not. Because there's like $10 books out there that are pretty good. No, I think people want to see ROI. Like they want to see, okay, if I take this course, I'm going to, like your courses say, I want, it's zero to launch. I'm going to launch a business. Yep. Um, or, you know, growth lab, like I'm going to make six figures in X amount of time. Or, or something specific like I'm going to um, meet my spouse in X amount of time or I'm going to lose 50 pounds or whatever it is. The ROI-driven products are really good. You can definitely charge more, you're going to sell more, et cetera. But there's also a lot of things that are not ROI driven that you can, that people want and they want to pay for. For example, we have a course called How to Talk to Anybody. It's on social skills. It does I like that pretty idea. well. Yeah. It's like how... What's, an, what's a technique? Oh my God. I, I need to use some techniques today. Well, you are amazing at How to Talk to Anybody. We took people, so I the thing I loved about this was we brought people into studio and we had conversations with them and then I would tweak it right there on the spot and you could watch the transformation. Classic things, guys tend not to smile at all when they're talking, so they have no affect. That's like me when I was younger. And girl, women will often over-smile, which lowers credibility. Another problem is rambling. Um, so let's say you ask me ask me some question about whatever. Um, <laughs> what? Are, how often does your personal chef come to your house? Well... You know, he come well the first thing when I first got him I was trying to do this and then I started having him come by twice a week but it was too much and also my oven the lights broken so I'm not sure I got to go get that fixed and then when I got it fixed the problem was my sink stop were and you're just like shut up. Hey. So we taught him how to get crisp about their talking points. That's not an ROI driven course. You're not going to make money. People took that course? Yeah, they I take would it. Take they that love course. it. Awesome. Yeah. So what I'm what I want everyone to know is it's not just, you know, show people how to make money or meet their partner. Those things are cool. But there's so many other things. We have courses on psychology. Our our students have courses they've created on everything from copywriting to cooking to all kinds of stuff. You have something that you are good at that the world will pay for. Yes, it takes a little excavation. It takes a little digging. All good things take work to find. And when you can find it, you can package that up and get it out of your head and deliver it to the world. I find that very rewarding. So so again, what's one that uh, just totally, you were like, there's no way this is going to work, and they did it, and it worked? Oh, man. There, let, me th- let me think about that one. I'm going to come back to you on that one. All right. And uh, so so what do you what do you provide that? So A, helping them narrow down the idea. Yeah. B, building the list. See where to place their content and kind of how to come up with that first uh, sort of legs of free content. Um, what's the next step? Turning turning the people on your list into a customer? Like, how do they reach out to customers then? Okay, so yes, finding an idea is a huge part of it. If you're not sure what idea to do or you have too many ideas, we help you figure that out. We help you come up with a list of ideas and then test them for profitability. So, for example, if I had had zero to launch this course on starting an online business, I never would have created Scrooge Strategy, the course on saving money. I never would have created health insurance. I wouldn't have wasted six months of my life and all that money. I would have found out within like a week. Were you depressed when they when those products didn't work? Like, did you did you cry? No, I don't really cry. Um, I, I don't get depressed. I just watch like Bravo TV. <laughs> Real Housewives? Uh, I, do, I, you would not believe it. I buy so many Bravo TV shows on iTunes. It's ridiculous. Uh, I watch. I was watching one last night. So Real Housewives, no. Who the hell? Vanderpump Rules. Love that show. <laughs> Love Lala. Lala, hit me up. Uh, I'd like to have her start an online business. Um, anyway, you know what? Looking back, 
it's not depressing. It's like a good lesson to learn. But I do think it's a tragedy if you waste your time on an idea that is never going to pay out. And maybe financially or maybe just helping people achieve their goals. Like if I, te- if I create a class on flossing, hey, you really need to floss. That's probably not going to do well. And that's a waste of my time because I have limited time on this planet. So, all right, finding the idea, validating it, getting people to care. How do you reach out to get people to come to your website and sign up for your email list? We teach you how to do that. All the tools, what do you do? Exactly what do you say? We show you conversion rates. This is what your number should be before you move on to the next section. Hmm, that's valuable. Yep. Then, how Because you, there are industry standards for that. Like Everyone knows how many, if you hit a good list, uh, meaning if I, if I advertise on a good site or a good email list, I should know based on how many clicks, what the conversion rate should be, or my product's not working. Exactly. Similarly, if I give a six-month refund, I should know the industry standard of what uh, the refund rates are if I'm giving a a good product. Because there's going to be some refunds. It's probably not higher than 40%. It's probably not lower than 20%, say. When I started out, man, I wish someone had just given me these benchmarks because I would have known, hey, this is good enough. Like, it's good enough. Move on. You have a good enough conversion rate on your landing page or your sales conversion rate or how many opt-ins you're getting a day. So, Because if you, ma- if you try to maximize those, it's that 80-20 rule. Yeah. You're going to spend like 100% of your time just to get a few more conversions. Yeah, we have a landing page that does about 15 or 16%. And could we get it to 20? Yeah, we could get it. But it would take uh, six to nine months and probably thirty or $50,000. We don't need it that's good enough. Let's move on to another part of the business. Um, And because we have all that data, because we've created over 20 products in all these different industries, we know the numbers. Um, So we share those specific exact numbers. Then of course, it's how do you turn your knowledge in your head into a product? So specifically, how long should your course be? Should it be video or not? What should you charge for it? What software do you use to package it up? We tell you all the specifics and then how to sell it. We, I'll give you an example. We have a funnel. A funnel is basically a series of emails. And we sold uh, $400,000 with this funnel the first time we launched it. Since then, a lot more. We showed people the entire funnel and we broke it down as to why does this work? So what's the psychology in email one versus email two? How do we get people to buy in email three? Again, super valuable. How did you learn that? Like just from trial and error or did you follow some courses or or ideas? Oh man, I bought every course out there. I studied everyone there is to study. Um, And I've been doing this, you know, my business has been around for over 12 years and I tried it. It's one thing to read a bunch of stuff. What you learn quickly is that most of the people you're reading have never actually done it. They're just teaching you some theoretical stuff. So. I'll give you a couple examples of counterintuitive things you'll find in business. How many of us have been told, write short emails, short, snappy, to the point because nobody reads them? Well, how long are your emails, James? They're pretty big. They're people, pretty people, long. People have criticized me for writing too long stories, like too long didn't read. But you're right, I ignore those people. What we learned, there's a great, great marketer and someone said to him, your emails are like over 10 pages long. Does anyone even read that? And he laughed and he said, <laughs> only the buyers. Huh. In other words, if you had back pain and someone wrote a 70-page sales page that was really good, it had techniques in there, it was valuable, you would read every word on that page. If you had curly hair, if you're a woman and Guilty. you have curly hair, you think about that every day of your life. 
every single day you wake up, you think about your curly hair. If there was a 80 page sales page with graphics, with videos, with exercises, you would read every word of that page. So don't listen when people tell you, keep it short. No one has time. The right people have all the time in the world. Okay, so then... So that's course, a good point. Yeah, and so, the, I mean, there's many other counterintuitive things we learned in business. You'll hear another thing, discount. You need to give people a discount to get them in the door. Oh, people, why are they not buying? We do these things called non-buyer surveys. If people don't buy, we ask them why. The number one reason, I don't have enough money, this is too expensive. Or they'll say this, that's outrageous. Oh my God, $500, $1,000. Maybe if it was $12, I would consider it. We've tested it. If you say, okay, here, I'll give it to you for $12, those people will never buy. Hmm. Those people are basically raising their hand and saying, I'm using price as an excuse. Price and time are very politically correct things to say. Notice they don't say, I can't afford it because that reflects on themselves. They say, you charge too much. That's ridiculous. So that's interesting. So, so these are all filters to some extent to weed out the non-buyers. Yeah. So you mentioned time, price. What other filters are there? Oh, well, time, uh, price is a huge one. We don't allow anyone with credit card debt to join our flagship courses. Does that create scarcity or is that like uh, a real filter? Well, it's a values-driven decision. I don't have to do it. In fact, not one person in our industry has copied that. You know why? Because everyone's got debt. Yeah, they'd all go out of business. Right. So I don't want that customer. I, I encourage them, use 12 years of my free stuff online. Please, it's out there. It's free. It's really good. Mm, it's like when idea. you're ready, come back and I would, I'll be here. So that I think, and you know what? That attracts the right type of person. Why did you join Equinox versus a $10 gym that you could get? Because it's right across the street. Okay, so very good. So <laughs> convenience, convenience is important for me. Totally. So that's another option. Um, convenience is totally important. Other people might- It's right across the street from this podcast studio. <laughs> <laughs> Other, and it has very attractive people who work out there. I, another important uh, idea. James did not mention that. I wonder why. Uh, so all, all these filters. Also, level of comprehension. So we write long posts and we talk about more than just making a million dollars overnight. I don't want those people. So if you're, right, if you're writing organic chemistry notes, you're probably not going to say, go from an F to an A+. That's not realistic and you don't want people who are F students. One of the things I've learned is that it's almost impossible to turn a D student into an A student. In other words, you don't have to appeal to the bottom barrel. You can appeal to people who are good and make them great. It's kind of it's interesting. It's it's really, so Stephen Johnson writes all these books on the history of ideas, and he refers to um, you know the real ideas that change society are not the ones that are so forward thinking that everyone's going to make fun of them, but what he calls the adjacent possible. So you're really hitting the customers where the goal is the adjacent possible. So someone who's maybe fit but wants to now really get in super shape. That's the adjacent possible. Yeah. Someone who's someone who's ready to ready to quit their job and has some ideas uh, to 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 then take that next step and and start a business. That's the adjacent possible for them. Exactly. And remember, the, we're going after people who they're not like I'm down to my last penny. You don't want to go after them, and you don't have to go after them. If you want to deal with people who have their lives together, they just want to get a little bit ahead. They want they maybe they like their jobs, maybe not. That's fine. But they're like, I'm ready to start a business. I want to live a rich life. To me, that's seeing if I can do this online thing. And I need a little guidance. I need someone who's done it before, who's helped a bunch of other people. 
I could learn this stuff all on my own, but it would be really helpful to have someone just walk me through it and show me examples. You know, people don't realize the importance of that. And I've talked to, believe it or not, Anders Ericsson, the the kind of the creator of the ten thousand hour rule of peak performance, about this very concept, which is that um, why do why is it so important to have a trainer or a coach or someone who's been there before? It's not because you necessarily need to get coached, but it's because they know how training and how the techniques and how the industry has improved over the years. So why why is the winner of the Boston Marathon in 1890s, or no, sorry, why was the Olympic Marathon winner from 1897 or whatever, 1896, why is his time not even enough to qualify for the Boston Marathon mm. now? It's, be, it's not because the human body has evolved in only 100 years, it's because training techniques have gotten so much better. So that's why you need a trainer who's been there who knows what the how training techniques have evolved. That's super interesting. I find that a lot of us, especially in America, we're very resistant to paying for training in whatever form. We have this very independent spirit, which is awesome. But the idea is I can figure that out on my own. And I encourage people to try it on their own. But when I started, when I made it a point to learn faster and learn better, then I went to coaches. And whether it was a tennis coach, whether it was a trainer, whether it was uh, business coaches, who I've hired many. In fact, there was a coach, I read his book. Um, it was a $10 book. And I got an idea from that book that generated millions of dollars. What book was it? It was called Getting Everything You Can Out of All You've Got by Jay Abraham. Awesome, phenomenal book on business and business strategy. And every Wednesday I do a strategy day where I clear my calendar and I read strategy books. That book was amazing. And I was like, this, this $10 book this is amazing. So I got on his email list and I said, I got to learn everything there is to learn about this guy. And eventually he had a, an offer, which was I'm doing an event for, uh, I think it was 12 or 24 months. And you fly to LA on your own dime and you're going to come here and I'll, I'll give you coaching. I was like, I'll do it. So I applied. I had to write not only an application, which I haven't had to do since college, I had to get references. So I'm like, oh, I hope I get in. And it was a pretty hefty fee. Well, can you tell me what the fee was? Uh, it was about $25,000. And I was accepted. So I paid the price. I said, I'll pay anything. And I flew from New York to LA once a month for either 12 or 24 months, once a month, and all to get basically 45 minutes of his time. For that 12, 24 months, I doubled, more than doubled the business. I learned such amazing things. And looking back, I would have paid 10 times that. I know you paid for this information, but can you say anything specific you learned? Sure. Okay, so one of the things I learned was the strategy of preeminence. And you should Google it. It's out there for free. The idea is it's not enough to just sell people something, right? If you buy my product or don't buy my product, I really don't care. What I want is your success. And so preeminence means you put your reader or your customer or your client at the center of your world under your protection. That means you tell them what's best for them, even if it goes against your self-interest. So for example, if someone's in credit card debt, they shouldn't spend $2,000 on a course we have. Hmm. I could easily take that money, but I don't want to. And so I'm putting them first. That's, pre, that's being preeminent in the market. What other business would say, I don't want your money. Please use our free material. No business. We do that. 
Preeminence also means telling people when it's not right to join or when it is right to join. And preeminence means sometimes you refer people to competitors. You basically do what's at their interest. Um, For example, recently we started talking about cooking, okay? Is cooking going to make us the maximum amount of money? No. But is cooking something that our readers need? Yeah. They eat every day. They usually eat more junk food. We're being preeminent by going after that and helping them learn how to cook. So that's one of the things I learned. And it gets very deep. I learned a ton of stuff. You can read a lot of it in the $10 book. But once you taste something like that and you see how good it can be, you want, you inevitably want to learn more from the source itself. That's exactly what I'm doing here. You're hearing me, maybe you like, maybe not. But if what I'm talking about resonates with you, if you've heard about all these people creating online businesses and you're like, I want to try this now and I'd like a little guide, then you're going to come to growthlab.com slash altature. You're going to sign up. And that's how you're going to get to be able to start an online business. You know, I've known you such a long time and you've given me such great advice. I'm really excited about this and believe in your products. People email me all the time saying they love it and get so much value from you. They must have listened to all of our old interviews. I don't know why they email me, but it made me see how valuable your courses are. I always ask this question. What can the person who's sitting at their cubicle job do to break out of the cubicle, to break out of that lifestyle? And this is really the answer. I've looked at hundreds of these programs, but this program is the one for anyone who wants the convenience of working from home, being creative every day, and you get real freedom. No one is telling you what to do. But it's not easy. You still have to work really hard, which is why this program is so valuable. People need a push. You encourage them to stick with it, so it's worth it. If you're listening to this and all these ideas sound intriguing to you, then I really suggest you go learn more. Rami and I worked out a link that you can go to that's special for guests of this podcast. Go to growthlab.com slash altature. You'll learn how to successfully create and build your own online business. Again, I've known Ramit for years. We've talked about doing something together for years. This is really exciting for me. Ramit has tons and tons of success stories on the website, including some of my own success stories, and you could become one of them as well. So go to growthlab.com slash altature, and you'll learn all about it. Um, I don't know what else to ask you. Like, we, you've been on, like, so many times. Where we're, we're like, you could just, like, hang out here, and we could do podcasts all day. Oh, man, I would love it. So, Looking forward to seeing you next time. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Choose Yourself Network at jamesaltucher.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.